This month's focus for prayer is in the area of healing, health, and wellness that's spiritual, physical, and emotional. So please include prayers uh, regarding those issues in your daily prayer life and jot them down in your prayer journal. And we want you to pray for God's help in those areas for yourself and for your family. Please continue to pray for Pastor Black and her immediate family and pray for her health and healing. Uh, I didn't ask her if I should um, mention uh, her an upcoming, well, I'll let her share that information if she desires to, but please pray for her health and healing. Lift up the entire refuge from the storm um, membership. Pray for growth of the church, both spiritually and numerically. And if you know of any TIs that are not affiliated with a, a body of Christ in their local city or wherever they are, please invite them to join in with us on Saturdays, on Wednesdays, and whenever we have an event or a meeting or a call. It would be a great benefit to them, um, uh, I'm sure. Pray for the church universal, God's church worldwide. Don't forget the TI community around the world and as well all the advocacy groups in the states and around the world that are doing great work, pray for their leaders because they actually have to listen to and and counsel so many uh, TIs around the world, and they hear so many different uh, stories and testimonies of what we all are going through. So keep them in your prayers. They have a very weighty job. Uh, uh, it's well, it can't compare to a pastor, but uh pastor does the same thing. Pastor Black has the same kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's loving work, it's great work, but it's heavy, it's heavy duty work being a pastor. So she has to listen to all of our concerns and pray for us on a daily basis. Uh, so please keep uh, them in your prayer as well as Pastor Black. So thanks for your attention. Uh, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. But if your hearts and minds are clear, Sister Elka to lead us in an opening hymn, and that will be followed by Elder Ken Cunningham, who serves as our worship leader today. I'm singing the hymn um, called Blessed Quietness. This is a hymn that I enjoy singing. Um, Oh, around between four and supper time. Not every day, but I've I have sung it often. So joys are flowing like a river since the Comforter has come. He abides with us forever, makes the trusting heart his home. Blessed quietness, holy quietness, what assurance in my soul. On the stormy sea, he speaks peace to me, how the billows cease to roll. Bringing life and health and gladness all around this heavenly guest. Banished unbelief and sadness, 
changed our weariness to rest. Blessed quietness, holy quietness, what assurance in my soul. On the stormy sea he speaks peace to me, how the billows cease to roll. Like the rain that falls from heaven, like the sunlight from the sky, so the Holy Ghost is given, coming on to us on high. Blessed quietness, holy quietness, what assurance in my soul. On the stormy sea he speaks peace to me, how the billows cease to roll. See a fruitful field is growing, blessed fruit of righteousness. And the streams of life are flowing in the lonely wilderness. Blessed quietness, holy quietness, what assurance in my soul. On the stormy sea, he speaks peace to me, how the billows cease to roll. What a wonderful salvation where we always see his face. What a perfect habitation. What a quiet resting place. Blessed quietness, holy quietness. What assurance in my soul. On the stormy sea he speaks. Peace to me, how the billows cease to roll. And your presence gives me rest. Exodus 33, verse 14. Amen. 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 The scripture today is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, The mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned, and these ways we continue. And we need to be saved. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. 
For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are potter, and all we are the work of your hand. Do not be furious, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we all are your people. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, just as Isaiah anticipated the coming of our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, we, your lowly servants, also anticipate him, the Most Holy One. In preparation, we confess to you, our Creator, our sins. Forgive us when we don't put you first and try to accomplish our goals without asking you for help. Remind us that through you, comes everything, and we can accomplish nothing without you, Father God. Prepare our hearts, minds, and souls to receive your Son, Jesus, into them. As you prove your love for us every day, remind us that we are your creation. Help us to receive you as the potter of our lives, shaping and molding us to be more like you and help us to see the coming of the Christ child as a reminder, as a renewal of our spirits through him. We thank you, Father, for loving us enough to send him to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now we'll have a worship song, which will be followed by the altar prayer, by Sister Cassandra.
Today's altar prayer is based on Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, and this is about praising in troubled times. Praise is a celebration of the Lord, but when we are in trouble, celebrating seems out of place. However, the life of faith of a believer is frequently contrary to typical human living. In Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, Jehoshaphat faced his difficulty by applauding God's past work and his faithfulness and by recalling his promises. When we respond in a similar way, we too will be able to proceed with courage. When difficulty comes, we can celebrate his past faithfulness while awaiting his promised help. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are the God who is in heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of the earth. We believe that power and might are in your hand and that no one can withstand you. We honor you with praise. Because calamity has come upon us, we stand in your presence 
before your temple and cry out to you in our distress. Lord, your word promises that you will hear us and save us. We can say, as it says in your word, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Lord, you say to us in your word to not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army that has come against us, that we will not have to fight this battle and to take up our positions of praise, thanksgiving, and prayer, and then to stand firm and see the deliverance that you will give us. You say to us to go out to face this army and that you will be with us. You say to us to have faith in you, and by doing so, we will be successful. As like Jehoshaphat and his men, we will sing to you and praise you for the splendor of your holiness. We give thanks to you, Father God, because your love endures forever. And to this we say, in Jesus, Yeshua's holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Sister Cassandra. Now we'll have, uh, now Sister Cheryl will present the first Advent reading of this Christmas season. That will be followed by a praise song right before Reverend Millicent delivers the message. Amen. Amen. The first Advent reading for today, Whom Shall I Fear? I'll be reading Psalms 27, verse 1 through 6, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Will war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Amen. Amen. This is is the reflection. In the midst of the fray and fury, keep your eyes on Jesus. He is fighting for you. Emmanuel is near. Though accusations fly and the enemy assaults your thoughts, Though people try to cut you down and drag your name through the mud, though schemes are launched and temptations roar, though your flesh fails and screams for revenge, your hope is in the one who fights for you. You are safe in God's love and in the power of his mighty name. Meditation. Fear not to trust me in the storm. I'm always very near. I come thy needless fear to calm, then, weary ones, don't fear. Fear not, I am with thee. Fear not, I am with thee. 
Fear not, I am with thee, and with thee all the way. I may not always seem so near as thou would have me be, but in the calm and in the storm, I all thy dangers see. Fear not to trust my mighty arm. It brought salvation down. I suffered much to give thee life, to give to thee a crown. Our prayer for the first Advent. Father, in the middle of the storm, we are setting our hope on you. You fight for us, and you are greater than all our enemies. Nothing we face today is more powerful than you. You are the solid ground beneath our feet. Thank you for surrounding those who surround us. Give us peace in the presence of our enemies, knowing that you see us and defend us in your love. Amen. 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 Now we'll have a praise song, and that will follow with the message by Reverend Millicent.
Amen. When I first heard that song, it was being sung to me by a woman who had a, a, a very strong accent, a very strong uh, Haitian accent. And I could not understand all that she was saying until she started saying, I will be still, know that you are God. I will be still, know that you are God. When I was in uh, was a member of the non-denominational church, we had praise and worship each week, and one of the songs that we loved to sing was Be Still and Know That I Am God. That song to us at that time meant to cease from striving, quit trying to make up our own way and let God do what only God could do. And even now, I just invite you all to go back to YouTube and listen song. It's by Hillsong. Uh, they, though, though all of the things happen and come to pass that is in Psalm 46, he still declares, I will be still, know that you are God. I give thanks and praise to God, my Father, for each of you that are with us today. I also thank you for your presence on this another Saturday afternoon, another Sabbath day, another day that God calls for man to rest. I don't take it lightly that you have chosen to be with us, but you could have done other things than in other places, other uh, matters could have had your attention, and so I'm thankful for your, for your presence. I'm always proud to acknowledge the ministry team and all who participate in this services each week. So thank you to each of you for the part you play in what God is doing in this hour. To God be the glory that our borders are expanding as we live all across these United States and in Canada. And a special welcome to those of you who have joined us in the last month and those of you who are joining us today for the first time. I pray that these services are a blessing to you and that you will join us in some of our other services, our Bible study, prayer team meeting, our emotional wellness support group that meets. Uh, this during the holiday season every other week, as well as the church services. Our scripture for this afternoon is, is a very short one in the in the uh, uh, scheme of a short psalm, but a very powerful statement that we're going to uh, uh, unpack today and take a closer look at. Psalm 46, verse 10 very calmly says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Let us pray. Mighty and powerful God, we come to you today in the name of Jesus, God, thanking you for this day. We thank you, Father, for this time to gather around your word. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you, God, by your spirit, would teach us what we need to know. Lead us where we need to go and guide us by your eye. Father, I just pray that the hearts and minds of your people would be open to the revelation of the word. We ask your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Father, I submit to you that you may be exalted in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of the message is Only God Can Be God. 
my friend and mother in the ministry went to see the movie Jurassic Park. I think I've showed it, uh, I've, I've shared it with you all before when it first came out. And she talked to me later about the, the revelation, the spiritual revelation that she had gotten. Because when she said she'd been to see Jurassic Park, I started wrinkling up my nose and frowning up my face because it's bad enough that we look at some of these movies that it's supposed to be reality, but when you go to looking at stuff like that, I think, ooh, what a waste of time. But she began to tell us about the movie as the Holy Spirit had made her aware of. She told us that the Spirit brought, brought her attention to the fact that the only time the dinosaur could see where the people were was when they were moving. And so they were constantly running for a hiding place and then stopping. And as long as they were running, you could see the head of the dinosaur going in the eyes, searching out for humans. But the minute they stopped, it was like they became invisible to them. The storyline involved scientists visiting a safari amusement park of genetically engineered dinosaurs on an island over one weekend. Sabotage set the flesh-eating dinosaurs on the loose, and the technicians and the visitors attempt to escape the island before they are eaten by these animals. The magnificent sound and other effects helped this movie to reach near universal acclaim. It grossed $914 trillion, let's see, million, $691,118, almost a billion dollars is what people paid to go to this entertainment for just a couple of hours. Today, there are men who walk like dinosaurs in the land. I've read about them and watched some of the explanations of those who are called enhanced soldiers, super soldiers, and genetically modified humans. They're also called enhanced war fighters. Who, like these dinosaurs, seem to have become an experiment gone bad? To those who profit from war, these atomic war fighters are their money in the bank. To the rest of the world, these people created in the image of God, but modified to the madness of man, have the potential to wreak havoc on an unsuspecting world, affecting World War III which is against God and against God's people. In the movie Jurassic Park, for those who have seen it, you'll remember that the humans were constantly trying to get away from the dinosaurs. In the earth today, man has shaken his fist in God's face and declared that the Tower of Babel is now a man and not a building. These same men treat the rest of humanity like they will never get away, never have any rest, never are protected by God, and will never be saved again. However, the word of the Lord to the church and to the heathen is, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46 is a psalm of the Psalms of Korah. The psalm encourages us to have our hope and truth in God, in his power as a providential ruler, and in his gracious presence, which is on us and around us 
in the most difficult of times. One scholar reports that this psalm was written during the reign of Jehoshaphat when the enemies of Moab, Ammon, and Edom came against Israel. God arose at their strength and help with supernatural intervention in a time of trouble, as Sister Cassandra read to us. Other scholars report that this psalm is written as encouragement to the people of God and as warning to the enemies of God that God's mighty power, the one that allowed Babylon to be brought down at the hands of the Assyrians, still at work in the world today. The psalm opens, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. This description of God is in the now. God is, not was or will be. But God is ever-present, ever in the now. My grandparents used to say, always present and never absent. God is all-seeing, all-knowing, from everlasting to everlasting. God is God. So if God is in the position in our hearts, our minds, and our lives, then the rest of this passage makes sense. Why would we fear? We've seen the earth move as California, how they survived some of the earthquakes of the 60s and the 70s. I look today to see where the largest earthquakes are today. Do you know where they are? These earthquakes that are taking place today are in Iraq and Iran. In Bible days, this region was called Persia that same place where Babylon was when they destroyed the temple at Jerusalem and carried away the vessels of the temple. The other location of the largest earthquakes taking place today is in Mexico. It goes out into the Pacific Ocean up towards California. The fact that it's out in the ocean means that man does not know when the crack will become so wide that things will begin to sink. The earth will begin to be swallowed up by the sea. Do you know that man knows the, does not know the mind of God? They might be in our minds and can manipulate our thoughts, even cause us to forget some important facts and memories. They put garbage in. However, the Apostle Paul asked the question, who can know the mind of God? I got so excited as I was reading about the earthquakes and as I looked on the map, and it showed way out in the, in the sea or in the oceans where the, where the fault lines are that I could begin to see at any point in time God could begin to cause the earth under the sea to shake in a way that it would begin to move and the earth would begin to move. The mountains would begin to crumble because they could not stand under the weight of the shifting. I'd wager to say that not these Bible tower builders even know the mind of God. 
I just have to throw this in. As I studied, the knowledge of God was brought up. You know what the proverb says about the knowledge of God? The, the proverb says that the, the knowledge of God is the beginning of wisdom. So Israel could be confident in God beginning their being their protector because of their knowledge of God. God's past actions had been that of deliverer, protector, provider, and when God said so, God became their prosperer in that they could inherit the land of Canaan, but they could not inherit it until God said it was time. You know, in playing sports, especially football and basketball, the coach would get the recordings from the prior games of their opponents study the moves that are made to win the game. They will look for the fastest runner, the secret moves of the quarterback. They'll look to see who the basketball is passed off to the most and from which direction he or she likes to come at the goal. The coach will bring these plays to the attention of the team and say, this is your opponent, and here is how we will defeat them. But man can't do God like that. Man can study God's past actions. God wanted Israel to be sure to tell their children and grandchildren how God had kept them. The truth about God's mighty wonder work and power was to serve to help future generations to be still and know that God is God. The norm is to study your enemy until you know how better, know him better than he knows himself. Not so with God. Man cannot study anything. But what God has done, but God does not use the same tactics twice. Can you see that? I didn't see anywhere in the Bible where God did a miraculous action more than once to defeat the enemy. Think about it. He sent Gideon into a camp with not 3,000 men but 300, and they went in with a, a light in a bottle and a trumpet in their hand. No sword, no spear just a light in a bottle and a trumpet in the hand. But God said, when I give you the signal, throw down the light and blow the trumpet. And confusion is what he used to defeat their enemy. God doesn't have to use the same tactics twice. God is God. And God knows the mind of man. But man does not know the, God, the mind of God. The next section of this psalm can be brought, thought of as futuristic and as a method of looking back as the enemies of God today think they have God boxed in. I heard one man say as, as the targeting began for me in 2003, he was calling God to showdown. He said he got mad at God and walked from it. But then he turned around to call God to show down after he got souped up by man technology. We can look to the futures. John tells us of a new human and a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem, for the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. There is new of a river, like in Psalm 46, whose streams shall make glass the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. The gates of pearl and the streets are paved with gold 
And the light in the city comes from God himself. God is in the midst of her, the scripture reads. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. You know what they say about weeping, that it endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning? Pain is at its worst during the night hours. Actually, it's during the early hours of the morning, just before dawn, that the pain is the worst, be it a toothache, a shoulder pain, knee pain. How does pain know when night comes? How does it know when dawn comes? But it leaves at the break of dawn. At least now I understand a little better about the pain rays. However, we also know about our God. Then the, the scripture says the nation's rage. They use today directed energy weapons, active denial systems, electromagnetic frequency false weapons. They're called non-lethal, less than lethal, and lethal weapons are used against the people of God in the earth. The psalmist says, though, that the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. God spoke, and the earth melted. We don't know when God will allow the users of weapons of mass destruction to destroy themselves, but we do know that God will, and they will. God will allow them to destroy themselves, and they will be destroyed. The super soldiers, the enhanced warriors, etc., will find out that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, our hiding place. Corinthian Boom told us about the hiding place in her parents' home when she wrote a book with the same title. It was a place where the Jews were allowed to hide from the Nazi army who would throw them into a concentration camp for extermination if caught. She said it was a little closet behind the closet in her bedroom. But Corey remembered another time that the hiding place became of importance to her. She remembered her father reading the words of the scripture, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word is what he said to her. So during times of difficulty in her life, during times that she was afraid, she would think of the hiding place that is found in the word of God. The last section of this comforting psalm tell us to look at the works of the Lord and review the way God defends God's people and God's earth. We are told that God makes war, war to end all over the world. And so what does it mean to the end of the earth? God can cause the weapons to cease to work. God breaks bows, he cuts spears, and he burns chariots. We read about all of that in the Bible. What do you imagine that will mean to those of us who, those who use invisible energy to wage war against us? Energy and frequencies belong to God. Light and dark are under God's command. Turning on the light means nothing at home where the power has been cut off at the meter. What would happen if the meter has been removed from the house and the line is broken and the pole is down? Well, you might say there are lanterns and flashlights and candles, 
But if the water is used as a weapon in God's hand, then the lanterns and the flashlights, the candles and other energetic weapons will all lose their power. We know what happens when the earth shakes. But what's going to happen when the heavens shake? Satellites will fall from the air. When the earth shakes, cell towers and antennas can fall over and collapse. They lose their signals, and that means they lose their ability to be used as a weapon. And so God says to us, and God says to the heathen, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The message to Israel, to you and to me today, is be still and know that God is God. The message to the heathen is be still and know that I am God. The message to the nations, their kings, their presidents, and other leaders, their cabinets, and their think tank committees, be still and know that I am God. The definition of the word be still, the Hebrew definition, is to stop striving, to let go, to surrender. The meaning of be still would be most understood to say cause yourself to become restrained. In other words, we need to come to a place where we're willing to cease striving. Sometimes it means sit on your hands when you want to fight back before God gives the play. Other times it means to bite your tongue rather than let those angry words fly from your mouth. I've shared with you before the words of an evangelist from Florida, Missouri. She said to me, if it ain't fixed, God is still working. That situation that you've prayed about over and over needs God's hand to move. Those family members who won't do right, that disobedient child, the supervisor who's unfair, a job to a mighty God. These are all invitations to war that's coming at you from the adversary when he makes people in your life mess up. God told Jeremiah, though, I know the plan. Israel was in Babylonian captivity. The plan was that they would be there for 70 years, and God knew that. He gave Jeremiah the recipe for living during the time of exile that God had allowed. Live, marry, give in marriage, have families, and pray for the peace of your enemies that you may have peace was the recipe God gave to Jeremiah. That be still did not mean do nothing, be inactive. No, God gave specific instructions for the actions that were required during this period of being still. They were in captivity. They could walk around in, in, in the areas, but they could not go where they wanted to, which would have been back to Jerusalem. So because of their captors, they had to be still. They could not run away. But because of the word of the Lord, he gave them instructions on what his expectations were for them. As they were still in captivity, he says, marry, give in marriage. Pray for the peace of your people, of your enemies. The second thing in that was, is, is let go. It means to relinquish your grip 
to allow someone or something to escape. You know how you want to sometimes hold on those to those angry words that were spoken to you that make you feeling so bad? But the word of the Lord today is to let them go. Sometimes we want to nurture our anger at our enemies when they hurt us so bad. But holding their anger to you is doing you damage. And so the word of the Lord is to let go. In 2000, no, actually 1999, my therapist gave me a poem. She, she took time to find it for me because she had read it. And she knew what a significant word it was for me at that time. And I'm going to share some of it with you. The title of the poem is Letting Go. To let go doesn't mean to stop caring. It means I can't do it for someone else. To let go is not to cut myself off. It's the realization that I cannot control another. To let go is not to enable, but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is not to be protective. It is to permit another to face reality. To let go is not to deny, but to accept. It is not to nag or scold or argue, but to search out my own shortcomings and correct them. To let go is not to adjust everything to my desires, but to take each day as it comes and cherish the moment. Even in captivity, even in our current state, you know what? The whole world is being is under surveillance. So we may as well take each day as it comes and cherish the moment. Do you know what let go means to a control freak? Seriously, and if you have any control problems, I have sympathy for you because the word let go is not in your vocabulary. Do you know how hard it is to let go when you feel like you've ran things so long and God comes along and says, let me have it? That was the message that went to Pharaoh by Moses in the Red Sea rules that we're studying. God said to Pharaoh to let my people go. After a display of power and might to the Pharaoh, to his musicians, and to his sorcerers, Pharaoh still did not want to loosen his grip on the children of Israel. Pharaoh had ten fingers, just like you and I. God had a miraculous epiphany for every finger on Pharaoh's hands as a warning that you can't outdo me. And God peeled back Pharaoh's fingers one by one until Pharaoh knew he had no control over anything, but he still didn't want to let go. Well, we know what Pharaoh's end was. There was a Red Sea, and there was a Red Sea crossing, and only those who were appointed by God got to go across. That was Israel. The last word in that, in, in that phrase, let go, uh, in that phrase, be still and know that God is God, is surrender. Cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority. Yield. Now, when I was young, we had a black and white television, and we would watch a weekly television series called Wagon Train. 
Some of you who are as old as me might remember that. So the wilderness travels were often attacked by the Indians. The wagon train would know to instantly get in a circular formation to be used as a fort against the confrontation at hand. Rarely did the group have to surrender to the Indians, but sometimes the Indians would be able to capture some of the women, and they would drag those women off to use them as sex and other slaves. Even in the days of King David, the women were captured by their enemies sometimes, and the men were upset with David for having them away from their family. The wilderness travels like David and followers would force their enemies to surrender, give up, let go of their grip of their women so that they could take them to safety. <clears throat> Can't you see God doing that to our enemies? Because God is saying that to them today. As I worked on this message, and it's been several weeks in the working, <clears throat> in the making, I did not ever see what God really was saying. I never took it actually for the enemy that God was saying, be still and know that I'm God. He's saying it to the super soldiers today. He's saying it to the enhanced humans. He's saying it to the biologically modified warriors. He's saying it to those who have paid their millions and their billions and their trillions to have God's world destroyed. Be still and know that I am God. We as children of God are told that if we submit to God, God would give us the ability to resist the devil, and the devil would flee from us. However, when we submit to God and the devil does not flee, he, we just need to keep on submitting. Don't allow the devil to get you off of your stance of submission to God. I encourage you, let God be the boss. Allow God to call the shots, the play, to implement the plan, because God knows how to defeat your enemy. We can't wave the white flag for our enemies to cease striving with God. For those who have made the devil their God, but we who accepted the finished work of Christ for us at Calvary, we can wave our white flag. We can and did indeed accept the atonement that Christ became for our sins, that we might live life eternal with God in that city where the river makes us glad. We can be grateful for this Advent season that we can lift our eyes into the hills, not crying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, but with assurance that my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Amen. 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 Thank you, Reverend Joseph, for that inspiring sermon. Now, as the next praise song is played, so please gather your elements for Holy Communion. Take the time to get a piece of bread or cracker, water, juice, or wine as your elements for Communion. That will be followed by a song of celebration. So let's have our praise song while we do that.
after you, you serve as a sovereign God. Only the sovereign God could run a plan that would free mankind forever from the penalty of sin. And that's exactly what he did with the Lord Jesus Christ, coming into the earth through the passageway of a woman's body, laid as a babe in a manger. Yes. Was trained in, in the temple just like you and me. But the difference was that he was able to take on a cross. And on that cross, he was able to take on to himself the sins of the world. And having given up the ghost, he then went into, into the grave and defeated all of it for you and for me. Listen to the words of the institution of his Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered to us by St. Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. Father God, we praise you for your mighty work of healing and for sustaining us by your caring hand. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for your work of redemption and for the gift of the sacrament. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the power and encouragement that you might use the bread and the cup to nourish and sustain God's people gathered at the table. In Jesus' name. Our Lord Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had blessed and broken it, he gave it to his disciples. Take and said, eat this which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may eat the bread or the cracker or the <clears throat> after the same manner our Savior took the cup and having given thanks he has done as has been done in his name he gave it to his disciples saying this is the new covenant in my blood to shed for many for the remission of sin let us drink together. Now we'll have a song of celebration. Mm-hmm. With... Kelly, excuse me, I'm not finished yet. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> we'll taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in him the gift of God for the people of God. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord God, that you have fed us with these holy mysterious mysteries of the body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. By eating the representation of his body, we become members of his body, and thus his agents in the world. Help us to be the distributors of your blessing, the agents of your providence, the instruments of your grace, and the ambassadors of your love to all the people we meet in our everyday lives. 
by drinking the representation of his blood. We have taken on his body, his life, which was not finally pierced by the cross, nor smothered in the tomb, but lasts forever. We thank you for this, the medicine of immortality, the antidote of death. All this we pray in the most holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, because he is alive, and he reigns with us in the unity of the Holy Spirit. You are the one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now we'll have a song of celebration, which will be followed by the invitation to discipleship. Sister Kim Straub will deliver that.
Discipleship. I pray again that there was someone that was listening today that uh, decided to, if you have not already, to make Jesus your choice. If you know of others who might could benefit from from listening to the services, be sure and point them uh, to the TalkShoe um, uh, line, TalkShoe.com. They would, in the sign-in part, they would put in our call number. They can listen. You and you can too. Listen to some of the past messages. If they were, if there were any that blessed you, I also want to invite you all um, on next week Bible study on Wednesday evening, um, prayer team meeting on Saturday morning, and church again next Saturday. For those of you who need prayer after after the call is uh, up, is is recording is ended. If you'll stay on, and I'll be happy to pray with you. As we look to the Lord to be dismissed, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, 
do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. I pray that you are blessed throughout the rest of this evening and into tomorrow and in the days to come. Remember that where we are right now is, is, is definitely a difficult place. The whole world is in the same place. But the whole world don't know God. They don't know the power of God. They don't know the, the, the works of God. And so it's our place to help to encourage others. There is no other God like our God. And though men and we can study the, the past actions of God, nobody knows what God will do when God decides to end the war against the world and against his people. God bless you this evening. Uh, Sister Cassandra, if you will end the recording. Um, Pastor Millicent, I, I never could start it. Remember, I couldn't get on. I'm talking. Oh, so that means I have to go do that. Pardon me, Sandra.